I've invited uh, Ilaria Lua to read Psalm 66 for us, so go ahead. That would be wonderful. Thank you. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Come and see what God has done. His awesome deeds for mankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. I will come to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you. Vows my lips promised and my mouth spoke when I was in trouble. I will sacrifice fat animals to you and an offering of rams. I will offer bulls and goats. Come and hear all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried, out, I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Amen. Thank you so much. That's great. Esther, if I could ask you to come and join me, that would be fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, I just wanted to introduce you today to our guest speaker. Uh, this is Esther Scholes, and um, uh, our family met with Esther's family when we arrived in Bible College in 2005. Uh, they were in the year above us, uh, and we struck up a really good friendship, and we've had a friendship ever since, haven't we, for, what, 17 years, I guess, or something yeah. like that. So we've known each other a really, really long time. And uh, when I was thinking about different speakers that could come and speak for us at Family Festival, uh, I had a prompting from the Lord to ask Esther to come, and she, I'm just really pleased that she said yes. You will not meet a more godly lady. And I know you're, you're going to just bat this all away, but uh, our family rate Esther so highly. She's such a godly lady, uh, been through lots and lots in her life, but faced it all so incredibly bravely and with God at her side all the way through. Uh, and I just felt it was an entire, entirely appropriate thing for her to come and speak for us today. Uh, would you give her a warm BCC welcome, please? Thank you so much, Esther. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much. I feel like I am the lull between all the activity and excitement and the passion. Uh, we've been blown away this morning. One of my kids turned to me and went, can we come here every month for their celebration, please? This is just phenomenal. And I'd like to point out as well that as a family, we didn't know that you were doing the, you know, you were going to wear the, the clothes from your country of origin because I am not from the jungle. I am from Preston. It has some nice forest areas, but no leopards and things like that. Um, and my kids are not from different American cities, which they've got on their T-shirts this morning. Um, yeah, we've just loved it. We've loved being here. We've loved, um, we're staying with Nick and Chloe at the moment. Um, we've loved coming this morning. What a warm welcome we've received from all of you. It's been phenomenal. We're really looking forward to the gathering after, afterwards as well. And um, as Nick said, um, he's invited me here today to speak 
um, from a psalm. He said, pick a psalm that you would like to speak about, that you'd like to bring a message about. And I was quite overwhelmed with that because I love the psalms. And there's 150 to choose from. Um, In the last few years, I've actually used the psalms a lot. Um, When you look at the word of God, there are so many different types of writing in there. It's just such a rich book. The Bible is full of so many different kinds of writings, which means that um, at the beginning of our life, or the beginning of our walk with God, and 10 years in, and 20 years in, and 30 years in, and 40 years in, we, we are still gleaning treasures from it because it's so rich. And I love the fact that in the Bible, there are so many instructions, there's so much wisdom, there's so much um, information about how to live our lives. And I know in the last couple of weeks, you've had some brilliant teaching on that. The podcasts have been fantastic on how to apply the wisdom from the Bible to our lives. It's full of stories as well. And and I'm so grateful for that because if, if God just told us how to live and who he was, but we didn't get to see how that played out in the lives of different people, I think we might struggle with how do we apply that to our lives and what does it look like? But through the stories in God's word, we learn a lot about what it looks like to walk with God. We learn a lot about God's character, like all these instructions he's given us, what happens when we do follow them? What happens when we don't follow them? How does God react? We learn about consequences. We learn about his grace. And we learn a lot about human nature, which is very reassuring for us to find out that we're not the only one in history who's ever done that or struggled with this or made that mistake. Um, It's full of encouragement. It's full of teaching. It's full of blessing. It's full of um, warnings. It's full of explaining what's going to happen and hope for the future. And so much of the Bible is about God's word to us. But in the Psalms, there's something a little bit different. And that is the Psalms primarily are our words to God. It's the other way around. It's like God said, here is this middle bit of the Bible. You have full permission, different writers across um, a few millennia ago, to express how you feel about me. And we're going to put them here in the Psalms. And some of them, if you've kind of read through and explored the Psalms, some of them are actually quite uncomfortable to read. Sometimes you look at a Psalm and go, oh, is it okay? Is that, is that okay to say that to God? Because it seems a little bit brutal. There's a lot of questions in there. There's a lot about what we would like to do to our enemies. And I'm not sure how godly that response was. And yet the fact that it's in the word of God means that God wanted us to hear it, he wanted us to engage with it, and it's okay to express ourselves in the way that we see in the Psalms. And so um, the last kind of three years, I've actually used the Psalms of a bit of a template. I love these journaling Bibles. I don't know if anybody else has them here. You've got space in the margin. And I just love filling that space with lots of different color and notes. And what I did was I went through the Psalms and I picked one Psalm a week. And I would pray through that Psalm during the week, mainly for my family. And then I would write out the different requests and different thoughts that I'd applied. And it's because very often in prayers, I think we we can go around in circles, can't we? We can pray the same thing over and over again. We can run out of words. We can kind of get stuck. And when we have all these words that have been given to us in the Bible, it helps our vocabulary. 
It helps our understanding of God. It helps our focus. And I really, really enjoyed doing that as a practice. So if you've been inspired by this um, particular um, series that you've done through the Psalms and want to do it more, I can really recommend doing that, having one Psalm a week and work your way through it. And it'll last you nearly three years, which is uh, a lot of material there. So why specifically did I pick Psalm 66? There's a phrase from this psalm that has gone around my head a lot since I worked my way through the psalms. It's really stuck with me, and it's from um, the middle part of this psalm. So in the beautiful reading we just had then, which was so clear, so easy to, to listen to, at the beginning we heard, if we want to get the first um, part of the psalm up, it's overflowing with praise. It's talking about this is how great our God is. Let's sing for joy. Let's tell God how awesome are your deeds. It's a really uplifting, powerful psalm to start with. And then we move to the second section and it's talking about God's deeds and isn't he incredible and hasn't he done fantastic things. And then we move to the third section, uh, verses 8 through to 12. Praise God, he's preserved our lives, he's kept our feet from slipping. And we get to verse 10 and it says, For you, God, tested us, you refined us like silver, you brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. We kind of lose a bit of momentum here, don't we? We're like, oh, this is not quite as chirpy as the beginning. Uh, You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water. This is sounding less chirpy. But it says this, you brought us to a place of abundance. And this morning I've entitled this message Fire and Water because that's the part that really stood out to me when I read through it. And the good news is that's the part that's supposed to stand out to us. So ancient writers, in the way that they framed things, the way they put things together, it was never just like an accidental kind of overflow, like a blurb of language. There was a very specific pattern that they would follow. And um, the, the most important part of their message, message was always in the middle. So we can see that this part in the middle about God refining us and testing us and allowing us to go through difficult things, that's the most important part of the psalm. It shows us what living a life of praise to God actually looks like. We don't praise God because our lives have been great and we've done everything right and because we've lived in God's blessing, we've had it easy and we've had everything we've ever wanted. No, on the flip side, we praise God because life is hard. We praise God because life is unexpected. And if we look back, the the two sort of sides, the the top and the bottom of the Psalms, they kind of mirror um, each other in this Psalm. So the second part, if we flip back a bit, I'm going to test you guys out with your your skills. Um, The bit that's sort of verse 5 Um, Yeah, that's the one. It talks about God's covenant with people. It's like, this is what our God has done. You know, he released us from Egypt. And and as we were trying to travel through, he turned the sea into dry land. It's like, never forget who God is and what he's done. In other words, the God of the covenant, the God all the way through the Bible, this is who he is. This is what he does. And then on the other side of the middle bit, so the fourth slide along, starting at verse 13, It talks about our response to that. So we will come to the temple. We will fulfill our vows. We will bring a sacrifice. That's talking about our covenant with God. 
So it's like mirroring, like because God's done this, we do this in response. And then if we go all the way back to the beginning of the psalm, verse 1, Um, It talks about praise, just this kind of unadulterated, we just want to praise God, we want to praise God, we want to praise God. That is mirroring the end of the psalm, so number five. These guys are going to hate me. Um, And yeah, and it talks about this, like this is why I praise. I don't just praise because, you know, I've been told to praise God, but it's because I I want to throw myself into it and I want to make sure that God hears my prayer and, and this is the kind of God that I know and the God that I'm working with. And we can see that at the beginning in verse five, it's a psalm of declaration that says, come and see what God has done. And then at the end in verse 16, it says, come and hear all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. And it's a great morning to be talking about this because we've got baptisms. And when when we do baptisms, we have story, don't we? People tell their story. And so this psalm is teaching us this is what it looks like to walk with God. There is an abundance, there is an overflow of praise, not because you've got everything that you want from God but because he is God and he is worthy to be praised. And that it's important for us to praise because people need to hear our praise. So I want to share some personal testimony because I think story is so important. The Bible is full of stories that encourage us and teach us. We share testimony with one another because our story has got possibilities to help and encourage and equip other people in the future. And so I wanted to share some of my story this morning so you can see why this psalm and um, my reaction to this psalm means such a lot. So right now, um, I'm going through a pretty tough battle. Um, in life, you know, when you feel like things are okay and you've got like an equilibrium and you've just kind of worked a whole bunch of stuff out and it's okay. And then something else comes at you and you go, whoa, this is out of the blue. I didn't see this coming. And sometimes it's stuff as well that you think, ah, I'm never going to struggle with that. Like I've seen other people struggle with that and I don't really get it. But then all of a sudden you find yourself in that situation and you go, oh my goodness, this is really hard. And in the last few weeks, I've been speaking to God about it and saying, God, I feel like I thought I was strong in this area and I'm now feeling weak and um, I really need your help. And I don't quite understand why you've allowed me to be thrown into this situation. Um, But this actually has the potential to take me out of the running. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, as in like, I'm following God, I'm serving God. I want to point other people to God. I've given my whole life dedicated to God to, to try and point people to him. But every now and then something comes along and you're just like, wow, if I make the wrong decision here, if I give into what I'm feeling here or the easy option here, I could actually undo a whole bunch of stuff that I've said and done and that I've, I've given witness to or ways that I've encouraged other people just in this one area. And yet, at the same time, I'm not even sure if I'm strong enough to face it. And as I was praying through this, I just felt like God nudging me going, yeah, but it's not your first time. And I was like, wow, you're right about that. So I counted back over my life. And from the time when I was 13, which is when I like fully gave my life over to God, up to the age that I am now, um, I think there has been 13 
reasons, 13 things that has come into my life, 13 situations I found myself in. And I'm not talking about trivial things. You know when you have a day when you doubt or a moment when you get distracted. I'm talking about seasons that have probably been a year or more that I've had to push through thinking, I don't get it and I don't understand why this is so hard, where I could so easily have just opted out. I could so easily have gone, I'm fed up of things not going the way I want them to, or I'd rather have that than what God's got for me. Things that, uh, some of them have been seasons and they've been over within a year or two years, and some of them are things that I think I will probably live with for a lot of my life and I just have to get used to them. And here are some examples of some of what those things are, because I believe for every person in the room, if you sat and you went through your own journey as well, you could probably think of some significant number of things that have affected you as well. So two of them for me are quite big and quite obvious. And as soon as people hear anything about my story, they immediately go, oh my goodness, how did that not make you lose your faith? How are you still walking with God through that? And the two biggest ones of those are the fact that um, eight years ago, my husband passed away from cancer. So me and my husband, we were at Bible college together. That's where we met Nick and Chloe. We, we were together for 15 years. We um, ran ministry together. We um, studied together. We started and planted a church together. We had five children together. We were the kind of c- couple, you know, we just wanted to serve God with everything that we had. And yet in his 30s, he was diagnosed with cancer. And then just a few months later, he passed away. Previous to that, we had another family member, one of our children who was just eight years old, so two years almost to the day just before my husband passed away, one of our sons also passed away. And again, it had been a long journey. It had been over two years of of medical intervention and tests and trying to find out um, what his situation was and getting the, the best medical help that we possibly could. And yet the prayers were not answered the way that we wanted the prayers to be answered. And those two things in my life and in the life of my family have obviously been absolutely huge. We went from a family of seven to a family of five. The church that we were, um, that we'd planted, um, I could no longer lead that on my own. We were leading it together and I had to step back from the kind of ministry that I thought I was supposed to have into different kinds of ministry. It's affected our everyday, it's affected the big decisions in life, and those have been really tough things to deal with. And for anybody in the room, who's been through any kind of loss in your family, you know the potential that that has actually for you just want to just lay everything down and give up and say, I can't, I can't do this anymore because I don't understand what happened and I don't understand how to move forward. And when we talk about losing people, it's extremely difficult. It's one of the biggest challenges we can go through in life. But in another way, it's kind of like obvious. People can look and say, wow, that is hard. That is obviously hard. But for most of us, the stuff that we've lost or the stuff that we've faced actually is not as obvious. It's not sort of there in our stories as soon as we meet people. There's a whole bunch of stuff we can go through that very few people know about. Losses that are very personal to us. It could be friends. It can be Um, Things that we've invested in, like our dreams of the future. It might be the way that you wished your family had turned out, and it hasn't. 
It might be the way relationships that you thought they were going to turn out and they didn't. It might be areas that you've invested a huge amount of yourself into, like a career, um, some kind of um, business investment, some kind of creative investment. It can be ministry, and you think it's going to look like this. And then all of a sudden, either it never comes to fruition, you never get the result that you hoped for, or you get the, the, the thing, whatever it is, you invest so much of yourself into it, and five years later or ten years later, something, sometimes something that feels trivial comes along, and boom, it's gone. You know, global pandemic or an affair or um, infertility or whatever that is. And you're left going, I don't actually know if I want to move forward with this because the disappointment is so real and I'm not quite sure what to aim for anymore. And it's affected my identity and it's affected my, my purpose for getting up in the morning. And these things are very real and not trivial at all. Sometimes it's to do with... Um, you know, we do life alongside one another, and God calls us to do that. And that means we invest a lot of ourselves into other people. But there's no guarantee that when we invest ourselves into people, that that means that that relationship is always going to be great. So I've been in situations from a leader's point of view where I've really invested into people and nurturing people and helping people, and then all of a sudden something's come along, and boom, that person's gone out of my life, and I've gone, oh, was it me? Was it them? Like, you know, that sense of rejection, that sense of not being good enough is really powerful. And on the flip side as well, it can happen that you can have people who are leading you and you go, oh, I want to invest in their vision. I want to serve their vision. And then they don't sort of turn out to be the people or have the reactions that you wanted them to be. And we have to deal with that disappointment of, oh, okay, I've got to change the way that I see things here. Sometimes it's relationship distractions of the other kind where actually we're too drawn to somebody. You know, if you kind of, um, you, you meet someone and you're very attracted to them, but on the inside, you know, like, this is probably not the right person for me. And with my logical head, I know it's not the right person for me, but oh, the feelings, there are so many feelings. And, and I like the feeling of being with that person. And in that moment you go, do I want to choose God's plan for my life? Or do I want to go with the person that makes me feel so good right now? And I don't think this is a single person thing exclusively. I think for married people, it's something that can come up out of the blue and you can go, whoa, I never expected to have eyes for anybody else or emotional attachment to anybody else other than my husband or wife. But here right now, there's a very real possibility that if I made a different decision, things could be very different to how they are now. Health issues. This is a big one. We live in a very goal-orientated society that says, choose what you want to do, go for it, don't let anything stop you, be more this, add more this to your life, discipline yourself more, add this, and we're encouraged to have these really busy lives that make the most of every moment. But you know, not all of us, our health can cope with that. We might have physical limitations. We might have mental limitations. And that wrestle, especially if you're sort of doing stuff which is obviously for God, and you think, well, God, why would I be limited? Why can't I just push through like other people seem to be telling me to do? But these things can be so real, and they can be hugely disappointing. And sometimes it's none of those things. Sometimes we have everything that we wanted. We've invested in the right people and the relationships are good and the, the stuff that we're doing is good and the career is good and family is good. And yet on the inside, we feel like we're walking through a wilderness season and there is no explanation for it. 
And we're like, God, I don't feel like doing the praise that I'm seeing here in the Psalms. And I don't quite understand why. Why do I feel dry? Why do I feel distant? Why do I feel disconnected from you and from myself as well? And when I talk about my friendship with Nick and Chloe, one of the reasons why it's so significant to me is because we've walked through a lot of this stuff together. We've been through toddler times together. When we were at college, our boys were very little, and so we shared the joys of potty training and injuries and um, tantrums and all that kind of thing. And then as uh, when raising teenagers, we would get together and go, oh my goodness, thank, thank gosh, it's not just me. You're going through this as well. How do you do this? How do you do like the phone thing and the social media thing? And, and it's been absolutely fantastic to do life with them. But I also, the, the reason I'm here today is because I believe in these guys massively because I've seen them walk through some of the stuff I've just talked about. We've been friends on the everyday and we've been friends by hospital bedsides. We've gone through grief. We've gone through tragedy. We've wrestled with disappointment of things that we thought we were going down the right path and then a door's been closed and we've had to regroup and move on. And I just want to let you know that about your pastors because you may only see them from the platform. I don't see them from the platform at all. This is my first time today, but I know them as people and I think they're absolutely fantastic because of the way that they have walked through so many of these things. So back to the psalm, what does it teach us about how to handle these, in my case, 13 things? It might be very different for you. But what can we learn from this psalm about how we should react to them? Well, there's a few things I want to pull out. There's probably loads more that we could get from this psalm. But there are five things I wanted to, um, for us to kind of get hold of and principles I wanted us to um, look at this morning that we could then take forward into whatever your current or your past situations have been. The first one is this, is that we remember. So the psalmist in verse 6 talks about, um, well, verses 5 through to 7 talks about what God has done. And there's this focus again about walking through the sea, walking through the Red Sea into dry land. And um, if you notice, all the way through the Old Testament, this one event gets a lot of airtime. People talk about it a lot. And one of the reasons is, is because it was so huge and dramatic and it's really important that we don't forget. But if you think about like how different that story could have been, if there was no Red Sea between the desert and Egypt, there would be no story. If Moses had gone to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, and Pharaoh had said, okay, and they'd have gone and there were no plagues, there wouldn't be a lot of story. Story going from situations that look helpless and hopeless and are incredibly difficult to coming out through the other side of them and seeing God's victory in the middle of it, that is what gives us the perspective, the faith in God, the awe of who God is and what he can do so much more than if life is easy and we get what we want. So the psalmist is reminding us that when we go through fire and water, when we go through the most difficult times in our lives, one of the most important things you can do is remember who God is, remember what God has already done. So see it in the Bible, talk to one another about it, go back and think, what was your first major challenge? What was your second major challenge? Have you ever written that down? Have you ever gone back and thought, you know what, I was in a hopeless situation before or a situation where I was incredibly distracted and I, and I, and I managed to get through it. So what did I do in that situation? And as humans, we are so forgetful. 
We live in the moment, we react to the moment, and we forget all this stuff. And this is why the Bible says, have festivals, have celebrations, like what's happening today. Get people up to the front to get baptized and to give testimony. Have communion, write songs, because as humans, we forget things so easily when we struggle in the moment, when we're not getting what we wanted to get. And so in Isaiah 46, verse 9, it's just one of the many verses in the Bible that tells us to remember the former things, those, are the, those things of long ago, because I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. So I encourage you this, this week, if you get opportunity to write down any of the past battles you've been through, any of the past victories where you've seen God step in, do that to remind yourself of who God is and what he does. The second thing that I wanted to pull out of this psalm was how we need to recognize. We need to recognize God's hand over everything. So in verse 10, that point where the psalm kind of turns a little bit and we begin to talk about God's testing and he refines us and he brought us into prison. He put burdens on our back. Like he allows things to happen to us that don't feel good or pleasant or what we would want. And yet the psalmist is saying... God is in all of it. It's not like there was a plan and you were going over here and God's like, oh, brilliant, stick with the plan, stick with the plan. And then something comes in and God goes, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that was going to be there. I'm so sorry. What can we do about this? God's like, no, no, because I knew you were facing this further ahead, I put this in you earlier on. I put you in a support network of church. I let you hear the testimony of that person. I made sure that you were ready, that you were uh, engaged in the word or engaged in worship because I know I can see round the corner what's coming up for you. And my hand is going to be in that and through that in the same way my hand is in and through the blessings and the good times that you have received. This was so important to me in the aftermath of my husband dying. I remember just just sitting there and just being in absolute shock thinking, I don't understand how this has happened. This is not the story. We were halfway through like so many good things. And just that shock, it just lasted for weeks and weeks and weeks. I couldn't get over the fact it had happened. But there was one tiny phrase that stuck in my mind and that's Some days it was all I could cling to, but it's what I chose to cling to. And the phrase was, he knows and he is good. That was it. He knows and he is good. And I felt like God just kept reminding me, this is a surprise to you. This is a shock to you. It's not a shock to me. But also I I didn't do that like out of, well, you know, it's fine. It doesn't matter. You'll just get over it. Like God is good. He is a good father and he wanted to journey every second of that grief, of that shock, of that difficulty with me. And I can stand here eight years later and still testify to that and say, he knows and he is good and he is walking me through every part of that. So when I talk about walking through fire and water into a place of abundance, it's not always that you get the miracle that you've asked for, the miracle that you're praying for. It's that God still has other stuff for you on the other side of it after you've gone through what you need to go through. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible is from Genesis 50 verse 20, where it's Joseph explaining to his brothers how he could possibly forgive them after they've treated him like they have done. And he says, you know, you intended to do stuff to me that was going to harm me. And, you know, he, he went from like revered son to bottom of a pit to slave to um, prisoner 
to prime minister. And Joseph was able to say to his brothers, what you intended for harm, God used it for good. And not just my good, but the good of so many other people to save other people's lives as well. And when we think about our stories, when we think about our fire and water like that, it's like, yes, God, it's a yes from me. Like, I, don't, I still don't know what's coming up in the future. I don't know what challenge 14, 15, 16, 17, etc. is going to be. But still, I've decided it's going to be a yes, God, from me through whatever he wants to take me through. And that is my third thing, is that I still want to offer to God what I have next. We have a tendency as people when we've lost things or when we face disappointment to keep hold tightly of what we've got left. Of saying, God, if you could take my family, those family members away, I'm going to keep a tight hold of my current family members. Or if you could take away that, that, um, that dream, that goal, I'm going to keep more tightly onto my other goals. But what do the, does the psalmist do is in verses 13 to 15, it talks about him bringing the sacrifice to the temple. It says, I'm vowing to, to praise you. My mouth is going to speak to you. I'm going to bring a sacrifice and he's going to bring the best of what he's got. So in response to these tough times we go to, we can then still say to God, whatever else is still in my hand is still yours. I still trust you with what remains. And obviously we don't bring physical sacrifices anymore into the temple. But in Romans 12, at the beginning of that chapter, it talks about bringing ourselves as a sacrifice to God and to choose to continue to do that. The fourth thing that this psalm talks about a lot is our witness. Verse 16, come and hear, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. Whatever my story is, whatever your story is, other people need to hear it. Other people need to know what you've been through and where you are now, even if you feel like, well, if that hadn't have happened, I'd be in such a better place now than I am. But a lot of other people need to say, no, no, show me where you are now. How do people pick themselves up from that? You know, one of my prayers as a teenager was, God, I want to point people to you. I didn't expect for the eyes of the world to start looking at me when my son was in hospital and people were following me on social media saying, how can we pray and how are you handling this? And I was able to go, oh, well, I'd like you to pray this way and I'm handling it because I believe that God is absolutely in the middle of it. And at that point, people were like, oh, you're serious about this faith thing. This is not just a phase that you're going through. You are living this out in this moment. And so what was one of the most difficult seasons of my life was also one of the most privileged seasons of my life where I got to point people to God in the middle of it. And in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, it talks about this is why we are chosen. This is why God has set us apart. This is why God has called us to him so that we may declare his praises because he called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. People need to know what darkness you've come from in order to celebrate the light that you are currently in. So keep sharing your story. And the final thing that I want us to get from this psalm this morning is in verse 18. And I know that Pastor Nick talked about this last week when he talked about forgiveness and and becoming right with God, um, acknowledging the things that we've done wrong. Because it said, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So the psalmist recognizes I need to be right with God. I need to stay pure. And that brings us back to that middle section, which talks about um, being refined. In verse 10, you refine us like silver. 
And in Proverbs 27, verse 21, it says there is a crucible for silver. There is a place where silver is refined. There is a furnace for gold. That's where gold is refined. But people are tested by their praise. What a challenge that is to us. So how we praise through the fire and the water, before it, during it, after it, that is the refining of who we are. That's what brings purpose from what seems to be like a waste or a disappointment or the end of things. God can bring purpose through them because of the way that we praise him. And I thank God for the rest of the Psalms, because if we just had this one, it'd be like, oh, just ignore what you're going through and just, you know, stay really chipper. But the rest of the Psalms, a lot of them are like, why God? And what about this? And this isn't fair. And why have you taken me through this? So praise is not the same as being fake or pretending there's nothing wrong. Praise is that overflow outpouring that says, I don't understand, but I know you are good. I don't know why you're taking me through this, but you've taken me through things before, and so I'm just going to keep moving forward. And God, you didn't abandon me to this, but you literally put yourself on a cross to go through the worst kind of suffering so that you could identify with what I'm suffering right now. And the same God who sheds tears over our situation is the same God that wants to sit with us in the pit and walk with us out of the pit and come back into the pit if we end up in the pit again and come through the pit. Because one word of praise is enough to silence the enemy's plans for our lives. One promise through gritted teeth, one acknowledgement, one sentence that you hold on to for six weeks of your life and just repeat over and over again is often enough to get you through some of the darkest times in your life. So what I want us to do now is the band are going to come back up and I want an opportunity for God to really speak to our hearts about this. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what your different potential reasons for walking away are. But God knows what they are. There might not even be another person in this room who knows what some of those things have been for you because some of these battles are intensely personal. But God repeats over and over in scripture that he wants to walk with us through all of these things. So just now, if you're able to close your eyes and just lean into God's voice over your life, just hear God's heart for you. From Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob... He who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, You will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And Father, I pray for every person here that this would be their reality. God, I thank you that you love us intensely, that you know our names, you know our situations. You've seen the paths that we're on, the things we've walked through and the things that are ahead. 
and you've created safe passage through all of them even if it doesn't feel safe at the time God I pray that we would walk hand in hand with you knowing you as our father the one who knows us the most intimately the one who's willing to walk through with us on our worst possible days and Jesus we praise you that you stood in the gap on our behalf that you suffered on our behalf so that you could feel everything that we feel that you knew intense personal loss so that you could come alongside and grieve with us when we're going through difficult times we praise you Jesus that you won the victory for us over every situation that there is victory in every situation even when we can't see it and Holy Spirit I thank you that you are the ultimate counsellor I thank you that you can bring wisdom to our hearts when we cannot see clearly Holy Spirit I ask that you would be on the move in the room right now ministering to us as individuals Bring your words of comfort. Bring your hand of healing over our lives. Holy Spirit, reveal God's heart to us this morning of what he wants to say to us, of what he wants to remind us. church I'm going to speak these words from 2 Corinthians 4 over all of us now but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us we are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed we are perplexed but not in despair we are persecuted, but not abandoned. We may be struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. God, the cry of our heart is to point people to you. In every situation and season, may people see the reality of your death and the reality of your life in us. God, let us not be in a hurry to get back to that place of healing and wholeness, but instead that we would let you do what you need to do in us in order to reflect truly who you are, not a mask of strength that we've put on ourselves. And God, I pray for every story in this room and for every person that's listening, that you may be speaking continually through us to the lives of other people, that your Holy Spirit will be continually taking things that are broken, things that are lost, the ashes of things that could have been and turning them into things that are beautiful and powerful and full of joy and purpose. God, we thank you that on our own we could not do it, but that you have done everything possible to make sure we can do this with our stories. 
God, we give our whole selves over to you. In your name, amen.